0: my four by four, four G C three ain't no more freelance feet. I gave him chance, a chance, and chance again. I even told him please. I find it crazy the police to shoot you and know that you did but still tell you to freeze. Love I seen what I seen. I guess that me hold them down if you say you can't breathe. It's too many mothers just grieving. They're killing us for no reason. Been going on for too long to get
1: Hello, and, and you like thank you for years. joining us so on Building, building Greatness, The Warrior the Way. A West Cliff University Athletics word, podcast. As always, I'm joined by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And I'm Sherm Dog, David Shermet, the head baseball coach at Westcliff University. And today, we have an incredibly special guest joining us on our podcast, Building Greatness, The Warrior Way, a Westcliff University podcast. We have 10-year NBA veteran, Jason Hart. Jason, great to have you here. Thank you very much for joining us today. Glad
2: to be here. Thank you guys for uh, waking me up this, this good Monday morning.
1: (laughs) We're an early crowd here at Westcliff. We get up early and get our work done. Um, it is so great to have you here. I was very excited when we found out we were going to have you on the podcast. Uh, In your lifetime, you have done so many great things, and there are so many great things ahead of you. But before we get to that, what I want to find out, and I've been itching to ask you this question, is that you're born and raised out here in Southern California. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. You probably had the opportunity uh, as you were coming up and in college to play anywhere you wanted to play. And you went to Syracuse, one of the best basketball schools in history, one of the best basketball coaches in Jim Beheim. What took you across the country?
2: Well, at the time um, uh, in high school, I was more of a late bloomer. So uh, one of my friends at the time, um, obviously everybody dreamed school. Um, I, you know, I'm born in South Central Los Angeles. Our dream school was UCLA. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, younger age, I had a buddy of mine who, who I grew up with who was very good. Um, he committed to UCLA as a sophomore. So, um, and he was really good. He was probably ranked top five in the country. That took, that knocked UCLA the boat. But at the time I wasn't even UCLA good. Now um, USC on the other hand was another school um that was somewhat getting involved but they hadn't worked for anything. we wanted to play in the form right so um as time progressed um i was able to start to come into my own and coach behind started to recruit me and they said they'd have a point guard so that made the decision easy very easy. okay
1: okay well uh, the west coast teams missed out obviously hey they sure did yeah, it, it, obviously it's hard to sign absolutely everybody you want to sign because the competition is, is tremendous. Um, and so obviously UCLA and USC could have done a little bit better than they did. But okay, all right, you know, you went to Syracuse and you had a great time. Hey, is there a difference between East Coast and West Coast basketball? Because you hear about that all the time. What's your take on that?
2: I, you know what, I, I don't think so, me personally, um, mm. being that I played on the East Coast. I mean, it was, it's, it's a little bit more grit and grind, but I'm from West Coast, so I'm not going to say uh, East Coast is better or this or that. I just think it's a little bit more grit and grind, a little bit more physical, but it's all basketball. If you could play uh, in L.A., you could play anywhere to me.
1: Oh, absolutely! Did you play on the playgrounds? Were you outside? You were doing all that as a kid growing up.
2: Well, that's where you know. Since since it wasn't, we didn't have so many electronics. You, playing outside was your electronic. I mean, mm. you took your ball or your football or your baseball and you just walked up and down the street and found and knocked on friends' door and told them to come outside. So that's all we had. Um, the asphalt was was our gym, mm. and we took advantage of it, and, and that was our uh, our life.
1: Yeah, was that Peace. your dream? Was that your dream as a kid to always just get to the NBA? That was your.
2: That, that was definitely my dream. as an NBA. I learned early not to really tell people what you wanted to do because you wasn't going to get that same res- response of excitement. Mm-hmm. So I just kept it, you know, to myself and uh, obviously I just worked, but yeah, I definitely want to be an NBA basketball player. I think I wrote my mom a book in the second grade <laughs> and uh, she still has that book. So that was definitely my dream.
1: That's neat.
3: You know, Jay, that's, that's nice to hear, man. Um, you know, I grew up on the East Coast, so, uh, you know, we we grew up watching, you know, Syracuse. I mean, Big East was was it, you know, before the ACC. You know, far as I was concerned, there was so many battles back in the day. Pearl Washington, you know, you name it, it was going. It it was a gritty uh, conference for us, and it's and it's unique that you say that, you know, uh, about what you say about LA, not just because it's your hometown, but until I came out here, you know, I've been out here now thirty years. Um, I came out through the military, and then I stayed and, you know, had a family. So all my boys are Cali. But when I was growing up, you know, playing ball, we were taught, you know, like, hey, man, you know, East Coast is really grit and grind. You know, L.A.'s more finesse. You know, a lot of guards can't make it, you know, from the West Coast to the East Coast, and you proved everybody wrong. And then once I came out here and kind of understood the climate, the culture, it's just a different, you know, beast. It's a different beast altogether. But I can tell you now, there's nothing like L.A. basketball. Uh, it's, it's the Mecca. You know, we like to talk about uh, uh, other things, but as far as basketball, it is the Mecca. The culture is different. You know, the palm trees, don't let the palm trees fool you. I tell everybody that from, from, the, from the East Coast, but it is definitely uh, the Mecca. Actually, I believe every university don't really have to a recruit outside of Cali, <laughs> you know. What I'm saying like, you yeah. really don't, because our second tier guys are, are better than most. You know, um you know, as a whole. But you know, for you, and you know, when when me and you met, you know, some years back, um, really what stood out to me, you know, brothers, is the way you carried yourself and and how you are a pillar of the community, how you kept that connection, and and sometimes you know when we find success. It's hard to keep that connection because of the things that happen, you know, in in our uh, neighborhoods, right? They kind of make you have to be a little distant. And I think, you know, you have uh, done a great job of of keeping that connection. Um, Being in your hometown now and and doing what you're doing and doing what you love, how how do you find uh, the time to give back to the community? you know, with, with your busy schedule
2: to, to, to me, Sean, it's a great, great question. Great point. It, it, it's not about, for me, it's about giving back. It's about staying. Cause if I give back, that means I went somewhere. So it's about staying and, and staying connected and knowing what's going on. And for my, my give back, um, now, since, um, I'm not actually in my neighborhood where I grew up, my give back now is going to find kids, um, that believe that they have a dream and and want to use the educational route through basketball. And and, and so I'm giving back every day, every time I call a recruit, every time uh, one of our recruits graduates, every time one of them become a, a, a great man, a father, a husband, that's my give back to see fit that these men through the sport of basketball become productive citizens and also become leaders and pillars of their own community. So that's, that's my life now being that I'm a coach and and the giving back part is, is staying connected, staying in touch and, and informed of what's going on and hearing um, people of the community and seeing what, what's going on and where can I do my part to fit in. So giving back mean, I'm gone. I, I'm, I'm just staying. I, I, my mind's made up. I'm staying.
3: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And you do a heck of a job of doing that, you know, and I know you raising kids of your own, and um you you imparting that wisdom and it's great to see uh that bond. It's nothing like a father son bond. It's just uh just completely I can't even put it in words, man. It's just it's amazing feeling and I just wanna appreciate you and edify all the things that you have done and what you continue to do. And I know you're involved in some projects that's just scratching the surface of what you're gonna start um, to, to impact in different arenas, you know, for, for people who want to do what you do right now, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well, uh, the, the, during the, uh, the quarantine, man, it gave us, it seemed like everyone, um, of all nationalities, the time to sit back and reflect and think on how we can become better and how we can become servants of this world. So, uh, with, with, with a couple of friends of mine in the basketball world, um, we was able, me and Pooh Jeter, actually, we was able to come up with, a, with an idea. And then we we sent it out to a bunch of our friends and we started the rebirth of the, the Black Coaches Association. And um, it wasn't to come out to be rebel rousers. It wasn't to come out and, and and have a moment, we want an impact that can last a lifetime. So we we started a Black Coaches Association. Um, we got a nice board of board members. We have the same ideas, same thought process. And the goal was to develop um, African-American coaches. Uh, It was uh, to enlighten us with what's going on in the business world and also uh, the the mental aspect of our athletic community. Um, It's it's very tough. It's daunting. And uh, we think that mentally, mental health is one of the the, the sticklers in, in, in our program because we as coaches go through it. As well as the players with their depression, anxiety of, of not making it to the NBA, or not making it to the McDonald's game, or having letdowns in ball games. So the mental health of it is very important to us, and um, we wanted to bring awareness to that. And so we started this group about four months ago, and um, very shortly we will launch. But we just didn't want to be a appetizer. We wanted to be something that's going to last forever. So we didn't rush into it. We wanted to build up a brand and a base, and that's what we've been doing.
3: Definitely. And it's a great, let me just double down a little bit more on that. It's a big time discrepancy, you know, for African-American coaches in athletics, you know, on all levels, um, especially in college basketball. And for you to navigate, you know, through that climate, you know, thus far, you continue to do that and keep persevering with all these roadblocks that seem to be strategically set up, you know, And, and I know we all take onus. You don't get to where you are in your life in your career without taking ownership. So, I know you strap down your bootstraps and you do all the things you need to do to, to that's required for you to make those jumps. But it is a lack of opportunity. And then on top of that, it's a lack of understanding. You mm-hmm. know, it is a, a diversity background issue of not understanding and engaging, you know, with black coaches, but yet we want to go and grab the product. Which is the black athlete, right? Yeah. And but but we don't want to have the black leadership to help cultivate, you know, that young man, that young individual. And now we're seeing how important it is because this lack of, uh, you know, this lack of understanding has really limited, you know, what I would say, um, the beauty of the the, the profession because it, it's too far in between that I'm sure when you out there on that recruiting trail that you don't see as many people that look like you, right. but you have to navigate in different environments.
2: And that's key. What you said, uh, Sean, lack of understanding. I think um, that has gone on uh, in the African-American community for some time now, forget coaching, just a lack of understanding. Then yeah. you add on the component through sports. And uh, I just think that um, the lack of opportunities that seem like we've been given, it, it keeps our numbers low. If, if we never get a chance to fail, then we never get a chance to bring up others. And uh, one way of not allowing, or I want to say not allowing, um, not hiring is a way where our numbers will always continue to stay low because if one has success, then you have to bring others behind. So it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating task, but instead of sitting to the sideline, we're going to get into this game a fight and bring awareness to the situation. I mean, um, I was taught as a kid going up to LA or reading in my history books that racism probably existed in the South. Well, that that, uh, that, that evil thing has spread across the world and it's, it's to the West Coast and it's, and it's everywhere. So we have to do a better job of enlightening the powers that be. And then also when we do get our opportunities, we're ready to go. And I, like I said, I just want an opportunity to fail just like any other coach. Um, nobody's perfect. Um, and so I just want an opportunity to fail. And, and my counterparts, same same for them. We just want an opportunity to, to fail and see if we can.
3: No, no doubt. And you deserve that. Sherm, I know you want to hop back in um, um, on this conversation, but I, I do want everybody to know that's listening today that, you know, the Black Coach Association, you know, and, and chime in, Jay, if I'm wrong, nobody's looking for no handouts. No. You know, th- these are men who, who are primed mm-hmm. and ready Uh, to coach and and coach well, they just need the opportunity. I mean, right now, you know, especially during the climate where unarmed black men are are definitely being shot in the street and we're seeing all of this stuff happening. And I won't even get in today about our black women and that disparity because they need to coach as well and they need those opportunities as well. But we have a men at the Black Coaches Association who are taking average to amazing. You know, they taking broken to booming. They're taking confusion to clarity, and they're taking desperation to domination. And there's some great men that's a part of that organization, like Mr. Hart here, Coach Hart, and he's going to do some phenomenal things uh, moving forward in his profession and in the community. And we need it. It's needed. It's time to stop overlooking uh, the situation. I understand firsthand. You know, just to give you a little background for me, you know, I was a high school coach. And then, you know, I, my background is in retail. You know, management. I used to run um, WalMarts and Targets. You know, at a high level, and then um, I got into coaching. You know, went through the high school ranks. Started in the back of the bus. You know, as a volunteer junior. You know, college coach. Then I moved to a four-year. You know, coach at the NAIA level. You know, in Orange County, and then was uh, promoted to athletics director. They didn't promote me. Let's let's be honest. I took a broken program that nobody wanted and flipped it. You know, then within a year, you know, I got a promotion as a dean of athletics to where I now not only in charge of athletics, I actually write curriculum for the university. Right. But it's just to show you that it doesn't matter what your path is. And I knew right away that I didn't want to coach, that I knew I could impact um, my community and people that look like me if I got into athletic administrations. And I just can't wait and hope that I get an opportunity to, to give a coach like Coach Hart an opportunity to do what he should be already been doing for the last five or seven years. You know, so I'm going to keep pushing on my end to do the things that I can do from my platform. And I can tell you, it is a daunting task. You end up being one of one everywhere you look. One of one. <clears throat> you know, so it's not easy, but we can make it. So if you can uh, hook your wagon, you know, to you young coaches who don't know about the Black Coaches Association, if you can hook your wagon to something that's moving, it's going to be outstanding. And I appreciate uh, you
1: taking that task, Jay. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Sean, for sure.
1: Hey, you know what? Let's step back a little bit before coaching. I got a ton of questions about coaching, about why guys like Brian Shaw have not had an opportunity yet. Why hasn't anybody hired David Fisdale again? Jason Kidd will be – I mean, there's – and Ty Lue is now just obviously in the running for a, a variety of jobs. But Yeah, he you know, just let's, took
3: the Clipper job. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, let's okay. Let's step back for a second and and let's go before the coaching era starts. Let's talk about you know the black uh, upcoming kid who is in junior high school or high school and either the education process or the lack of opportunity for education. Because you know it's not like you're going to come right off the street and become an assistant coach at a high level and then and then take right over. You know, everybody kind of has a, a progression they have to follow, but it doesn't seem as though the opportunity is there for the black uh, junior high, high school kid to take that progression. Um and, and, you know, the number of black coaches is disproportionate in all sports, obviously, and black ownership and, and, and you know, black general managers. You know, it's just not there across sports. We had this talk on one of our earlier podcasts that the NFL is 70 percent black. The NBA is 81.1 percent black. Baseball right now is only 7.7 percent black. You know, it's kind of interesting how it's disproportionate. But. Jason, can you enlighten us a little bit? I mean, you're you're a current coach, obviously. You you've had a coaching trajectory that is outstanding from Taft to Pepperdine to USC, and I'm kind of interested to see where you're headed next. But how is it that we can get the younger Black athlete slash student coach that the access, the opportunity, because it just doesn't seem there, even in this day and age?
2: Well, I think uh, that. We should have uh, something set up to where you go from either wanting to play or, 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 or going to coaching. I think we got to have more than just being the player part. Um, we got, I think it should be programs set up to where you, you can learn about front office or, you know, you go to school to try to become an athletic director like Sean, just standing in that sports realm. Right now we're only focused on the actual physical playing part. We need mm-hmm. to focus on the business part of basketball, being coaching, um, athletic directors, uh, owners. One thing you touched on was, was the lack of owners in in sports. Um, and that was due primarily to slavery. I mean, we, we, were, we was unable to build generational wealth. And so with new money, it seemed like nobody wants to take the new money of African-Americans. And one way you can do that is by not allowing them in those particular clubs. I mean, let's that's, that's, that's be frank, um, mm-hmm. we, didn't, we didn't have any, we were still behind in the wealth gap. so. Um, the game was started, it started at hundred to, to zero. And then obviously they let African-Americans start, start playing in the fourth quarter with three minutes ago and said catch up. And mm-hmm. we've been, just been unable to catch up and that's led to um, heartache, pain, frustration in all African-American communities. And that's where you see our disparity right now and today. And it mm-hmm. spills over into our world because athletes come from this world and they bring that frustration over here. And athletes like myself, we grow out of it. We were fortunate enough to get out of the sports and retire, and we still have that pain and neglect in our hearts. So um, it's frustrating, but the, our history has, has been frustrating, and we always overcame. So this will, this will be nothing new. This will be another challenge, and I okay. think we're up for, the, for the challenge.
1: Okay, so here here's a question because it's an interesting analogy you bring about the three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, and do you, do you think what is happening in coaching – Um, ownership, GM, athletic director, because, again, very few uh, minorities in those positions. Do you think that this is actually um, sincere by those others that are in power? Or do you think this is window dressing? Just saying, hey, you know what? Throw a token uh, opportunity at a black coach or a a GM or whatever just to make it look good. Or do you think this is genuine and it's going to get support and it's going to be a groundswell and it's going to start to manifest itself and be something bigger?
2: Well, I, just, I think it has to be changed uh, in structure. Um, I mean, we, we've been marching. We've been marching since the 60s. Uh, we've been singing We Shall Overcome. We've been fighting against Jim Crow laws. So um, one thing that the powers that be, they always wait us out. I mean, because now that we're getting back to normal, now the sports is back in, and now life is kind of picking up to the new normal. Uh, <clears throat> normally, our cry always goes, you know, uh, to the wayside because back to normal. So I don't think it's window dressing. I think it's the power structures and the power structure will continue to be the way it is. So I just think that it has to be structural change. And I think we have to be willing to take a different approach, a different fight, so we can kind of get something changed. Hey, um, it's not a lot of black ADs that power five schools. I mean, UCLA just got one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's – you want to hire what looks like you. And then sometimes – we get uh, uh, discriminated against if it is a black AD and he hire a black coach, then people from from say, "Hey, he's just hiring him because he's black." So we getting it from both sides, you know, and, and and that's the frustrating part. And then also, whoever gets a coach at whatever level, we we on the hot seat after year two. So that is, it's always we're we're put uh, under extreme pressure and anxiety, and that's where your mental health kicks in as well. So Um, it's a, it's a, it's a tough deal, but what I'm trying to do is trying to figure it out and, and, and learn what's going on. So when I do get my opportunity, I'll be better suited, you know, prior to not knowing what's going on, it'd be, I'll be shocked and I don't want to go in. I live my life by uh, disappointments, not surprises because we're all human, human makes mistakes. So I'm never going to be surprised. I'm just going to live my life by disappointments. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Well, let me, let's talk a little bit about where you are right now. Um, you're coaching, as I say, your coaching trajectory. You were the head coach at Taft High School, a, a great school for athletics in particular, and all around great school. Been in L.A. a long time. Then you got a shot at Pepperdine and then on to USC. And yeah, uh, you're coaching with Andy Enfield, um, who made quite a name for himself in the tournament a few years ago. What a great run that they had um, where do you see yourself next in, in coaching? I do ultimately, do you want to coach in the NBA? Do you want to be a head coach in, in, at a major college? Where do you want to go?
2: Well, I, you know, every assistant coach wants to be a head coach. And mm-hmm. so wherever God, uh, leads me, that's where I'll go. Um, obviously, you, you know, being at a, I'm a West coast guy, you, you know, you hoping that somebody wins and move on where I can Mm -hmm. take over as opposed to wishing somebody gets fired. Um, That's not my, that's not my, my heart. And that's not my intent. I want to obviously become a head coach, but I want to follow a a program where somebody has success and moved on um, in, in, in this world. It's, it's been a journey because uh, for for me in particular um, they say, well, you have to help turn the program around or help win and, I thought we've been doing a pretty good job of graduating all our players, um, winning, turning the program to a winning program, and producing NBA players as well. And those are one of the sticklers. And so the bar just keep raising. I think uh, somebody told me, man, y'all got to get to a Final Four. Y'all got to – I was like, well, they're just going to keep raising the bar for not only the head coaches but for the assistant coaches as well just to get an opportunity. So um, it is what it is. Uh, hopefully something uh, comes my way. And, and I'll be prepared for it. But, again, you got to think, um, Sherm, dog, my, my dream was to make it to the NBA. Now, I do want to be a head coach, granted. But my dream was make it, to make it to the NBA, and that dream came true. And so this next phase of my life is to impact the lives of others and see that they do have a chance to have a dream. So it's not my dream to be a head coach. It's something that I want to be. My dream mm-hmm. already came true when I made it to the
1: pros. Yeah, you know, ten, Go ahead, Sean.
3: Yeah, I just want to say um, – I just want to chime in on that. Um, because I have dealt with that personally, you know, during this stretch, for me, especially on the athletic administrative side, you know, it's, it's a different ball game, for sure. But what I do despise is the powers that be continue to move the goal line back when you're on the one yard line. That that's that's BS, right? You know, keep moving that goal line back. Jason Hart has nothing more to prove. He's done it in, in college basketball. There've been others who have not even came to a third of his career that get an opportunity. Let me be clear with that. So let's not act like it's a rite of passage. You know, he you know, sport's supposed to be a meritocracy. That means it's based off performance. His performance already speaks it. Loud volumes. His his way that he uh, communicates with, with those and serves others have the eagerness to serve others and and, and graduating uh student athletes. He's doing everything that's on the list when we look at it from an AD box. So I'm challenging all the ADs out there, like, what the hell's up with that? What's up with that? Because, you know, I sit in these conversations. See, the difference is the different levels, just the, the, the amount of athletes you have. You know, do you have thoroughbreds or not? But the way the athletic administration works, is the same business on all the levels. You know that's what makes it unique. We we try to make it a little different here and there. The budgets are the same. The money spend the same. It's the same level. And I'm asking all the the ads out here who keeps overlooking this man. What the hell's up with that? Because it shouldn't happen. It's embarrassing. It's disappointing. You know. Um, you know. It, it's 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 amazing to me. In 2020, we still having this conversation of of getting uh, fair and equal. You know. Uh, opportunity right now. We we didn't say nothing because he's he's driven over giving. He, his life speaks that already. We're talking about a fair opportunity to fail, and we know you, Abraham Lincoln said you can fail, fail, let failure leads to success. We know that. So when we do get these shots, then we got a a, a hot seat. We got a short leash, and then all of a sudden. Uh, We can't, you know, you know, I really commend Ty Lue sticking to his guns and getting that five year deal because he should have got that from the Lakers. Let's be honest. You know, like so we get these little uh, hurdles that get be stuck that the people don't understand if they're not in the business. And it makes it seem like us. They want to depict us as being selfish. We just want what we deserve. You know, it ain't no selfishness here. We know it's back uh, backyard deals happening all the time. You know, and, and this secession plan for coaches are sometimes draw out, not even thinking about us. You know, we know that. And I'm going to say that, you know. So these are my words. So don't put this on heart. This These are Sean words, right? I'm in this business. I see it. But I'm telling you enough is enough, and we're going to stop that thing. And I'm devoted, and I'm dedicated. As long as I'm in a position of authority, hell, hell with that. It doesn't even matter. We create our own sunshine anyway. So we're going to keep pushing this thing no matter where we are. But I'm here to tell you, uh, Coach, um, I'm here to do everything possible to help you in the plight and whatever you have on your heart uh, to do um, no pun intended. And, you know, and what I'm talking about is if it's, you know, the black coaches association um, helping you um, with, 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 with the things that you want to do in your career uh, you always have a friend here. You always have a platform here. Um, one reasons why I'm I don't plan moving anywhere. And I had opportunities to to go in athletic administration at the D1 level is I wouldn't be able to use this platform for this today if I was at another university I wouldn't be able to do it you know what I'm saying so I'm not gonna give up this voice because we give a voice to the voiceless here you know we're gonna continue to do this and we're about to be the squeaky uh you know wheel right now because we need all the damn old coach we need it all because it's overdue it's past due far as I'm concerned. So we're going to double down on all these initiatives, and we're going to push this thing forward. And since we went into this pandemic cocoon, we're going to come out the best butterfly they ever seen. And guess what? We ain't going to stop flapping, Coach. We're going to continue to flap. Um, This podcast is on every platform. It's going to be raised. We're going to raise the awareness of it. We're going to demand some jobs to be made. Some some jobs need to be made. It needs to be an overhaul. It needs to be recorrected because it hasn't worked for the last 20, 30 years. You know, one of my, um, you know, persons I grew up in a small town called Berlin, Maryland, but one of my uh, second cousins is Oliver Prendell. You know, he coached for a long time. and But for us, it was only like three, 400 um, really like blacks in the, in, the, in the town. So, you know, when he made it, we all made it. You know, but it gave me ability to be wanting a dream, you know, like, hey, I can come from this small town and actually do some things, you know, with my life, you know, and then and to see you is the same way. You know, coach, I know it's plenty of kids looking at you and say, man, I want to I want to do what he's doing. You know, I want to get involved. And and um so I'm thinking about also seeing how we can extend some educational programs, you know, for grassroots kids who may not be talented, but want to be a part of athletics, right? And start putting these programs together so they can start shaping their minds to be in these positions. So I'm all on board with you, coach. uh, Appreciate you, Sean. You know
2: I do it as always. And I think that like a lot of our athletes, the ones that do come back the the term grad transfer, it's also about enlightening them and seeing if we could put you in programs to, to not only just go back and play that fifth year of eligibility, but if, if the pro is not in the cards, hey, come be an AD. That's a pro. Be yeah. somebody that's involved in the front office or the af- athletic administration side of, of, of college uh, sports. So we need to push more of that narrative. Um, you don't want to really kill nobody's dream about playing pro ball, but we also want to give them an option to knowing that that grad degree can turn into a master's, which can lead to be getting a PhD.
3: Absolutely. That's definitely the
2: narrative that we have to push, but we also have to educate them as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And Sherm Dog, you know, you had some experiences. I mean, you won a World Series in baseball at Arizona. You got drafted, you know, in baseball. You know, I'm telling you, you you can see the disparity of your plight and what, you know, coach is talking about. You know, share some of the differences you you can uh, uh, enlighten our audience on, you know, as a Caucasian, you know, athlete. It's a different path. Man, it's a different path, but can you enlighten us on some of the differences you just hearing by hearing coach's story?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, I came up through a pretty good program. Uh, and and as I look back on it, even in the professional baseball uh, ranks, I didn't have any black coaches. I didn't have one black coach. And my entire time at Arizona, we had one black player the entire four years that I was there. Damn. Uh, that's a damn yeah, that shame. W- and he was he was unbelievable. I you know, I would have taken a dozen of those guys. Chuck Johnson, our center fielder. I mean, he could have been all American and he he was as great an outfielder as I'd ever seen. He played center field. Oh, sorry. We had a second guy. Sorry, I apologize. There was a second black player that came in who came in the last two months, three months of our season, my senior year, a cat named Kenny Lofton. Ah.
2: So oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I didn't don't wanna I don't wanna leave out Kenny. Um and, you know, I, I think about it, I look around, all it was was a bunch of white faces. Our coaches were white. Now, granted, they were All-American coaches. I, I played for one of the best. And then I got into professional ball. And, you know, I'm going back to the 80s. There were not many black coaches. I mean, Frank Robinson was the first one all the way back then, and Cito Gaston. But that was it. And those were major league guys. On the lower levels, nobody. I, I do remember some of the former players as roving instructors, but not not coaches or head coaches. Um And so, you know, I got a question for you, Jason, because, again, you know, I'm kind of curious as to what you think about the Rooney rule. Uh, if you're familiar with that, because that seems like it's just that, OK, we're going to try to appease people right. because that is the NFL policy that requires teams to interview minority candidates for head coaching and and uh, senior football operations. Not that they have to get hired. OK, if you're going to interview three, four, five, at least one of them has to be a minority. Right. But it doesn't mean they're going to get hired. That's one of those things that seems like, oh, OK, we'll just make it a token gesture and make yeah, it make it put a good face on it. But you don't have to hire anybody, even if he or she is qualified. Qualified.
2: Right. Yeah. That, it's, that's exactly what to me is. It's, it's you admitting that, okay, we know it's not right.
1: <laughs> so right. it's hypocrisy. We're gonna, we're gonna,
2: yeah, we, we're, that's an admit of guilt that we will interview you and give you an opportunity to sit down. But since we use it's going by the Rooney rule. It protects us and saying we really don't have to hire you. So right. to me, that's just a mission of guilt um coach uh, Sean's son is in the WCC and they started that in their league they have a similar Rooney rule where you have to interview um a minority but again that's just admitting guilt that the numbers are low and it is just a disparity between um in the coaching world so I, I don't really um favor the Rooney rule in terms of I'm happy but it's window to address Modern- yeah,
1: definitely is I I think so as well. You know, as I think about some of the sports, there are some sports where black coaches are starting to come up a little bit more, in particular the NFL, as opposed to some of the other sports. Yeah, Dave Roberts is a hot commodity right now. The Dodgers just closed out the the National League pennant yesterday. Um, But you you look across baseball, yep, there are some black coaches, uh, Dusty Baker being another, and there are plenty of them. I I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. Um, NFL, Romeo Cornell, as an example. You know, there are uh, plenty of others um, and so the numbers are going up, but sometimes, right? Sherman,
3: this is the deal, yeah. though. Yeah, let, let,
1: let's we, let's let's do what what the university does. Right?
3: They they like to recycle us. Right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we're talking about new enrollment. We're talking about new blood. That's where the disparity is. It's no new blood. We we'll we'll take a, a coach who's already went through whatever their rite of passage is. Right? And and we'll recycle them to different teams, but we're talking about new opportunities for the next generation, for the next thinkers, though. And I think that's where we still have a big-time issue. Because, you know, normally if they're in certain coaching trees and only those guys that come from a certain coaching tree, you know, get selected. Like you was talking about, you know, the gentleman from the Dodgers, right? Why do Dodgers have to be hot for him to get a look? That that, that doesn't happen. It shouldn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. He should be able to get a look based off of his performance and the things that he has done over his career, it's it's time for him to get that look. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, and and you, we don't have to always do something extraordinary to get an opportunity, because mm-hmm. the next man don't have to do that, right? Yeah, we understand you know, that. It's some I, yeah, but it's I, some I, things you know. we just understand. Like, look, I'm gonna just speak from a black perspective. We know that we we it's a double taxation out there. We we were brought up that way. We understand we have to work twice as hard in some things, which is still unfair, right? We understand that. We have accepted a lot. What I'm saying now is we're taking the filter off. We're not accepting this anymore. We don't have to go like you was talking about great baseball players. Why well, we had to create a Negro lead? It should never had to be that, right? We don't always gotta go an alternative route. And then most of the time when we get these coaches in the traditional frame of coaching, they are their best they passed their prime. Some of their best years has been spent somewhere else where they haven't had an opportunity to build that that uh, win-loss record because we know that's a part of your DNA. They're gonna bring that up to your face when it's time for you to get cash a check. We know that already. So we need to catch young black coaches in their prime. You know, they don't have to be over seasoned, you know, to get an opportunity. It shouldn't be, you know, you know, Jason, you, you gotta get to a final four. That shouldn't even come up. You know, those things shouldn't come up because it's not on the checkbox. Right? You know, these are you know you have like skill sets that you you desire. Yeah, we would desire you to be at a final four day that who you know who wouldn't but how many coaches actually get a chance to do that anyway not many. so these goals that they set and objectives they are set they're not attainable most times right they take extraordinary things and they take other people's influence to help you get there so what i'm saying is we have a, a plethora of coaches including our guest today coach hart who is is right now ready okay right now ready to to be able to take a position and put his stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's point blank. It's 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 not it's not another narrative I want to hear but hired. That's the only that's the only narrative I want to hear, you know, hired. Okay? You're hired. And and if he decides that's not for him, that's for him to decide. But right now the next the next voc- vocabulary, the next, you know, um, syllables that should be coming out, the next A.D. mouth is hired. Yeah, There you go. There you go, coach. It's early. You know, it's early and he's in his bag already. So that lets everybody in America know how sharp he is. Right. So that's the deal right now. And that's the action work. Right. So we need to get something going. Right. We need to get it going and we need to go get it going now. And he deserves this opportunity, and um, we're gonna push for that, man. We're gonna push for you and everybody else who are in a similar situation that's waiting patiently. But I can tell you this, from my personal spiritual belief, you know, when God announces you, it's gonna be undeniable, and, and ain't nothing gonna, ain't no man on earth can be able to stop it. And it's coming. I feel it. It's coming. It's overdue. But I know you're humble and you're thankful for your opportunities. That is something you can see. Just by talking to you and the way you put forth your work, it has not stopped your production and your level of production of work. So, like you said, we will get through this. But I'm saying let's get through this now. Let's fix this now. And We're in the now and next, you know, uh, uh, pretty much profession right now. We never think about the past. It's now or next. So, now we need to fix it. And, you know, Coach Hart is up next. He needs to get it right now. So, that's where I'm at. Um, with it. And, and these are my personal views and, and, and what I see being in the business. And I hire coaches, you know, I felt the same way. Um, you know, coach, you touched on this a little earlier. You know, I hired a black associate, you know, AD. And some people just look all crazy, you know, when I did it, you know, what I mean, it was like, you know, you know, what what is he doing? You know, how is he making this happen? I can tell you right now, the president of my university, who's the owner of the university, did not bat an eye. We never had a conversation about it. That doesn't, that's that's not normal. No. That's not normal. I knew then at that point, my anchor's down. Okay? We're about to do something great. Didn't ask me one thing. Is he qualified? You you love him? If, if you like him, I love him. That's not normal. I had other conversations in other positions where that wasn't normal. That should be normal, though. That should be the norm. It should be based off his performance and what he brings to the table, not all the other things that we like to put in front of um, African-American coaches, you know, when we pushing the goal line back. So I appreciate your candidness today, you know, coaching and, um, you know, talking about this topic and you're not on the sidelines, you're in the trenches, you're doing the work, you know, you're, you're fabulous, you know, at what you do, you know, um, I got a chance to, you know, meet you, you know, a, a couple times on, you know, while you out doing your work and, and see some of the, the things that you're doing in the community, and I can tell you, his words matches his actions, his heart is genuine, he's poised for the next position, and he deserves the next position. Hmm. So I, I want, I want the world it'll, to know that
1: it'll happen. It's, it's just a matter of time. It's, it's, it's probably a fact, and it's just. A matter of when, not if. Hey, uh, Coach Hart, do you have a coaching mentor? Do you have somebody that kind of guides you or has guided you?
2: I do have a coaching mentor. A a guy by the name of Michael Hopkins. He's the head coach at the University of Washington. Um, He was my uh, recruiter and um, position coach at Syracuse. Obviously, uh, he had a great run at Syracuse, and now he's at the University of Washington. So he's someone that knows me kind of inside and out because I spent a lot of time with him. And then – so I, it's, it's definitely one of my coaching mentors um, as well. And then I bounce a lot of ideas off uh, the great George Ravlin.
1: Hmm. George Ravlin, USC, among other places. Yeah. He he, he, he was in
2: his business for, for quite some time, and, and he started in an era where it wasn't fair, you know, being in the 50s, 40s mm-hmm. at that, that, that time. So um, he's definitely uh, someone that I bounce off a lot of ideas. So, uh, fellas, I don't want to – hey, I hate to cut you off, but it is a new norm, and so we all have to get COVID tests by 9 a.m. every day. We take COVID tests, Sean. I don't know about how it is in Gonzaga, but we take COVID tests every single day, and our results have to be be back by 11 o'clock to say yay or nay for practice. So I live uh, about 30 miles away from L.A. I mean, from USC. Yeah. And uh, you guys know this L.A. traffic. Yeah, yeah you, you yeah. got to go. What? There's traffic in L.A.? Um, and you know what? It was a pan- <laughs> the pandemic. It wasn't a great thing that we had a <laughs> pandemic, but the traffic subsided for a little bit. Now okay. everybody has to get back to work and make money in this time. Right. Fortunately, mm-hmm. our traffic is back. Uh, it's reflecting that. So I have to go and take my daily COVID test right now.
1: Okay. Hey, well- We appreciate you, man. Oh, man. yeah. We thank you for coming on. Hey, one last thing. You know, Sean Harris has has challenged me to a one-on-one basketball game. Do I
2: need to be the ref?
1: Yes. Hey, yeah. we
2: can bring you that's in. A, that's, that's exactly, exactly I you where, you where I was going. going. Record that for the podcast. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. right. Uh, yeah. That's hey, exactly where, where I
1: was going. I'm
3: not, I'm not losing, Coach. I'm here to tell you that. I'm,
2: <laughs> there you go, baby. I'll be the ref.
3: Hey, I throw an elbow or two before I lose. I'm just saying.
2: Right.
3: <laughs> hey, hey,
1: will you come on again, Jason? Yes, so I will. I really appreciate it. Yes, I will. Oh, that's hey, kind Coach, of...
3: be safe out there, man. And uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. Drive safe and, and wish your family, tell your family
1: I said hello, man. Will do, man.
2: It. You guys have a great rest of the morning. Thanks right. again.
1: That is 10-year NBA veteran and current assistant coach at USC, Jason Hart. And as always, I would like to thank my guest host, our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And the gentleman who makes us sound good each and every time we do podcasts, that is Brandon Peterson, our sound engineer. Beep, 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 beep. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcast. And please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out about Westcliff Athletics. And we thank you for your support. And keep an eye out for the next podcast.
3: Protesting growing <laughs> George
0: Floyd Last night, people protesting in Minneapolis escalated as demonstrators were lashed by tear gas and rubber bullets. The main
1: message here. The main message here is that they want to see those officers involved. They want to see those officers arrested. Officers arrested, arrested.
0: Trade my four by four for GC3 ain't no more freelance feet. I gave them chance, a chance, a chance again. I even told them please. I find it crazy the police to shoot you and know that you dead, but still tell you to freeze Nobody seen what I seen I guess that mean hold him down if he say he can't breathe It's too many mothers just grieving They killing us for no reason Been going on for too long to get even Throw us in cages like dogs and hyenas I went to court and they sent me to prison My mama was crushed when they said I can't leave First I was drunk then I sobered up quick When I heard all that time that they gave it to leave. He got a license and plus We just some products of our environment How the f they gon' blame us? You can't fight fire with fire, I know But at least we can turn off the flames, son huh? Every color person ain't Done. And all whites, not racist I be judging by the mind and heart, I ain't really in the face. Though so the way that we living is not getting better, you gotta know how to survive Crazy, I had to tell all of my lovers to carry a gun when they going outside Stay in the mirror whenever you drive, over protect, go crazy for mine You gotta pay attention to the sign, seem like the blind following the blind Everything that's going on, I boost security up in my home I'm with my kind, of, they right or they wrong I call him down here, pick up the phone And it's five in the morning, he waking up on it Tell him wherever I'm at, then they coming I see blue lights, I get and start running That shit be crazy, they push to protect us Swords and handcuffs and arrest us Why they go home at night, that shit messed up Knowing we need help, they neglect us One of them who gon' make them respect us I can see in your eye that you fed up Fuck around, got my shot, I won't let up They know that we a problem together They know that we can storm anywhere That's It's bigger than black and white it's a problem with the whole way of life, it can't change overnight. But we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead and start here. We done had a hell of a year, I'ma make it count why I'm here. God is the only man I fear. Kid, I'm going on the front line, ain't gonna bust your work if you come past that gun line. You know when the storm go away, then the sunshine. You gotta put your head in the game when it's crunching. I want all my sons to grow up to be monsters. I want all my daughters to show out in public. Seem like we losing our country, but we gotta stand up for something, so this what it comes to. Every video I see on my country. I got power now, I gotta say something. Corrupted police been the problem where I'm from, but I be lying if I said it was all of them. I ain't do this for the trend on